Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon, and today we have another awesome guest joining us to help preview the 2022 NFL Draft. We've got Danny Kelly from The Ringer. Danny is the host of The Ringer NFL Draft Show, The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. He also writes The Ringer's NFL Draft Guide and their Fantasy Football Guide. So, Danny, number one, yeah. welcome to the show. Number two, you're a hell of a busy man. And I, number three, I really respect the fact that you're just like me, where it's like, okay, I ruined my life for multiple months during the fantasy season. How can I then proceed to ruin my life? for another few months into the off season uh, by cramming in all this other work, man. So uh, shout out to you. I respect it. You've got a ton going on. Uh, Well, first of all, I really appreciate that. And thank you for saying all the names of the shows and the guides I do, because every time I try and say those, I just completely stumble over them. So that was helpful. Um, Yeah. Typically, I guess like NFL writers are sort of winding down after the playoffs end, but um, that's actually my most busy time (laughs) during the NFL season. So that's, that's probably bad planning on my part, but um, I don't know. I've always loved the draft. It's really fun to do the draft stuff and, and study these guys. So uh, it's actually not like it, it's a labor of love. Yeah, I believe it. Well, it is an awful lot of labor. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you do before uh, the NFL draft actually kicks off here. And we're in the single digits now, nine days away now at this point as we're recording, which is pretty awesome. Before the draft actually gets kicked off, make sure you go check out the Ringer NFL Draft Guide because it is awesome. Uh, I love that even like your mock draft, you can sort by position. So it's like, I don't care about where these guards and and cornerbacks (laughs) are going. I just want to know like where he's mocking these wide receivers. Boom, sortable. Love that stuff. So, uh, (laughs) There is yet another plug for you. All right. We don't have any like news to talk about. So we'll let's just get right into the draft talk. Um, First of all, I've asked every guest that we've had on the last couple of episodes. What's your take on kind of the draft as a whole? Is it is it a strong class? Is it a weak class? If it is strong, where do the strengths of this class lie? I think it's generally a weak class, but it is a deep class. So I know I don't think those are mutually exclusive necessarily. I think just generally there's not as many blue chip guys, guys that look like they're going to be superstars in the league, at least immediately. Um, However, there are a lot of good players, I think, all the way through to like 75. You know, there's going to be guys on day two that are really interesting going to teams. And so this maybe isn't the greatest year to have a top 10 pick, but it's a good year to have multiple like top 75, top 100 picks, I think. So that's how I'd probably, you know, describe this class. I think there's, it's a good receiver class as usual. You know, I like the corners in this class. I like the edge rushers in this class a lot. So those, those are the main three, I guess. And then, you know, there's definitely some good, I, I would say at the top 
tackle is pretty good um, in this class too. So, um, but I don't know about the depth quite as much at that position. It is pretty funny that you say it's like not a great year to have a top 10 pick. And we have multiple teams with two top 10 picks. (laughs) So like if you're a Jets or a Giants fan, you know, this time last year, well, a little bit after, obviously we in the middle of the draft, you're like, oh, hell yeah. You know, I've, I've got. I've got two first round picks too. And you know, Hey, there's a chance that things could break right. And like the bears are going to be, if you're a giant fan, the bears are going to be bad. Obviously like maybe we get two top 10 picks here. You have it. Now it's like, all right, then now the giants like would love to trade down. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Hey, I'm a Seahawks fan. So well, the Seahawks getting a top 10 pick this year is fun, but also like, you know, maybe not as exciting as it should have been. It is one of those things where I don't think people are going to be sad about the players that they get in this class, but just generally, that's how it feels. It's that that's how the NFL seems to view this class is like a little bit less top heavy than normal. It wouldn't be surprising to me if there's teams out there that have make, you know, 10 to 12 guys in the first round grade versus usually it's more like probably 18 or 19, I would say for for a lot of teams. And so, you know, it's not a massive, massive difference, but it's definitely it, it does feel light, especially compared to last year. I feel like from talking to you and talking to the other guests we've had on and just listening to kind of draft media in general, it just feels very unsexy, right? Like, obviously, we have mm, no, yeah. no like, top-end quarterbacks. You know, we're trying to push some of these guys up. We'll talk about the quarterbacks here in a minute. Um, even the number one overall pick, it's like, you know, everyone expects it to be Aiden Hutchinson, but there's also whispers that it might not be. But then with Hutchinson specifically, you know, folks are like, all right, well, you know, he's he's a good player, but he's not you know miles garrett he's not the bosa yeah. brothers or whatever it's he's like well safe. that's yeah well that's a hell of a way to sell somebody <laughs> on the first overall pick he's not this great player this great player this great player but he's pretty good yeah i think in the first the question of the first overall pick is an interesting one i mean of all the teams that could mess it up it's like the jags being in the first spot i just feel like they're gonna mess it up the, to me aiden hutchinson is is the most safe guy he's gonna come in you don't really have to worry about him turning into a bust yeah i know that knock on wood or, or whatever because obviously you never really know with anybody but he's like such a high floor player and of course it feels like the jags are just gonna maybe like zig while everyone else is like this is the obvious pick man just pick them uh, they'll go for like the home run swing with trevon walker or whatever but yeah it, it is one of those classes i think where instead of having a guy that could be like a hall of fame potential type player you're just like this guy's gonna be a good starter for you for 10 years and and that's good like that's still a valuable thing but maybe it's just not quite what people want with the first overall pick i mean you look at some of the picks that the jaguars specifically have made you oh, know uh yeah. like over the last few years like you might want to think about just hitting the double you might want to think about yes. just hitting the triple here. yes you had for the, the sports, yeah. For the sports metaphors, <laughs> hit it down the fairway, man. Seriously, just hit yeah. it down the fairway. Uh, but of course, that's not what the Jaguars do. So we'll see. No, nah, you had like the walk up to the plate potential grand slam in Trevor Lawrence last year, and you might have <laughs> screwed that. You could screw that one up at this point. So yeah, maybe just maybe just like play it safe here for Jacksonville. That does again feel like kind of the tenor of the draft overall. But kind of moving into some of your guys in this draft, Danny, because you've obviously evaluated a ton of prospects. Let's take this in three sections, starting here with like kind of your in the early round one area. And you know, this could be an offensive player that's going to be relevant for fantasy. It could be an offensive lineman that's going to help a team, you know, that really right. needs it, or even a defensive player. I, I don't really care. Or kind of in the early round one portion, <laughs> who is your guy in that range? Early round one portion. I would say, oh man, there's so many people to choose from. Uh, AK Kwanu is really fun. I'm I'm going to be excited to see where he ends up landing because I think he can be a Tristan worst type player where you come in and immediately as a starter immediately is upgrading your offensive line. Like 
when worse fell to the, uh, to the Buccaneers, I was like, man, that is just so perfect for them. This is exactly what they need. And lo and behold, he's like a immediate starter, immediate impact player. I think that Ike Kwanu could have the same type of in- impact with the receiver class. I, I feel like this, this class in particular, I mean, it's probably going to be like this every season, yeah. but it is just a vibes class. I mean, cause there's every guy at the top is so different. Every guy at the top is so different. Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London. Danny, uh, I think know, that's kind of, uh, I think Olave. that's actually kind of different from last year though. Where like last year it was a lot of, obviously we had Jamar Chase and it's like, said it and forget it. He's going to be great. But then beyond that, it was like Devontae Smith, kind of a small guy. Jalen Waddle, kind yeah. of a small guy, you know, Rashad Bateman, bigger receiver, but he played a lot inside. Wasn't as big as yeah. It wasn't as big as we yeah. thought. Um, even then like Elijah Moore in the second round, some, uh, some of those, you know, Kadarius Tony's just a weird player in general. So like, True, I think true. you're right, though, that this year there's a difference between types, whereas we didn't have that last year. Yeah. So this is like there's just so many different styles of receiver. It really just kind of depends on what you like and what you look for at the receiver position. I think, um, you know, the guy that I've been becoming more and more excited about in, in the NFL is Jamison Williams, just because he has something that I guess everybody else in this class doesn't have, which is that like elite rare speed. Obviously, he's got to come back from the ACL injury, but um, I think that's sort of like his trump card that I, that none of the other guys have. You know what I mean? And so I think that's going to be very interesting to see where he lands. You keep hearing more and more over the last couple of weeks. I've been hearing this for like a month, but it's becoming more mainstream. It's like he's going in the top 10. Yeah, I think the NFL really likes this guy. I mean, we see it every year. The NFL becomes enamored with the potential for what speed can do in the offense. I mean, it is important. Speed is definitely important. You right. can get speed later, but... Um, I think he's the type of guy that has a complete package in terms of he's a good route runner or a solid route runner. I'd be interesting to hear what you have to say about him as a route runner too. But like, he's just, I don't know. He has that sort of trump card upside that that none of these other guys have. Yeah, I think the... I, I definitely don't think he's the best receiver in the class like right now. You know, I think that there are right. other guys that are better than him and I, there are other guys that I would take ahead of him. But if you take him as a top receiver, in the, I think he's a tier one guy. I think there's a tier or there's a four guys that are tier one players to me in this class. And, and Williams is a is in that group. And I actually think the fact that you said he has a trump card trait. Totally agree, obviously, with like you see at least when you watch him at least once or twice, like it's a lock. He's going to get behind literally everybody yeah. on the defense. Yeah. And that's just that is rare speed. It, you know, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that we never got to see him run a 40 just for like entertainment oh, yeah. value, but it really doesn't matter. Nobody should care about that. I actually think that you could argue that because he has that trump card trait and because he has that speed overall, he actually has a really great floor. Like maybe he never develops into, you know, a true number one receiver that like maybe Drake yeah. London could be or, you know, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or some of, you know, some of these guys, maybe they have that more in their range of outcomes and Williams does but because he has that field tilting speed it's really unlikely that he's going to become a, a straight out bust like especially useless. yeah exactly <laughs> right. especially because I agree with you you know he's not he's not one of the best route runners in the class but he's at least average from a technical standpoint and can build uh-huh. onto that so that I think he's not just a you know a Will Fuller type but even Will Fuller again had a he was he's been other than last year he's like a very useful player when he's been healthy Sure. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, I think people will look at the Will Fuller comp or whatever, the, the example, because like if you look at the numbers with him and Watson during the early part of their careers, like stupid Fuller is out there tilting the field in his direction. And Watson's numbers are way better when he is on the field. And I think it has a lot to do with number one, Fuller is good and he's a good deep threat. But number two, I mean, he's just, you know, changing the way that defenses have to approach the game. And so I think teams are going to see that and, and 
like push him up a little bit, push him up a level or two because of that. And, you know, we saw teams like the, the Raiders, plus their hearts, one with Henry Ruggs <laughs> yeah, in well. that class because because of that speed element. And so, um, you, you know, you see teams kind of fall in love with that every year. Yeah, obviously, Henry Ruggs' career has gone a totally, you know, off the wall path, right. but I think he's a better. I think he's a better prospect than Henry Ruggs. Like I think he's a better route runner, better yes. technician, uh, better pure receiver than Henry Ruggs was. And I think Ruggs was more like Mike Wallace, where I think, uh, you know, there's there's more of that like crossing element speed, you know, all that type of stuff. They never obviously yeah. didn't really get to figure it out with the Raiders, but then Williams, I think, is again more in that Will Fuller archetype, where you know Fuller, his the last time we saw him play you know just just throw whatever the finger situation with Miami was going on there these last year in Houston he legit played like a number one receiver you know like their ex receiver out there yep. beating press man coverage at every level of the field so I think that could potentially be in Williams range of outcomes which is why he's such an appealing player overall all right let's move to kind of like the mid to late round one range um who's kind of your guy in this range <laughs> I hesitate to say he's my guy, but I but I think he's the most fascinating player in the first round, at least in certain in terms of uh, skill position players. And that's Traylon Burks from Arkansas. The narrative on him has been very fascinating to watch as this draft season has gone along, because, of course, you get I think he was the overwhelming consensus number one guy, at least in fantasy and dynasty circles for a long time. You know, as the tape guy started to weigh in more and more you know, you start getting some concerns about his route profile and the types of routes he's running in college. And I, and I understand that completely. I mean, you know, he was being manufactured touches in that offense. And so you have to kind of use that as context and, and how raw is he and what kind of jump can he make in the NFL? But in terms of like, when I watch him play, he was the guy that I had the most fun watching, I think. Yeah. And so I'm just excited to see kind of where he lands. I think you wrote it in your profile and it was like, I couldn't have put it any better. And it was like, he's the most case he's the most like landing spot sensitive guy i'd yep. say among the top tier of, of receivers i really hope he lands and i've compared him to dk metcalf not necessarily physically speaking or you know profile speaking but just he dk metcalf needed to land with the seahawks in my opinion like totally. it was a perfect landing spot for him he got linked up with a quarterback that was just like willing to drop moon balls down the sideline to him which is like one of his top strengths um dk metcalf i'm talking about yeah and then he was able to develop over the three years or whatever, like as a route runner, expand his repertoire of routes, you know, start to get more detailed, nuanced and stuff like that. And I think that's going to be the path a guy like Burks probably will need to make in the NFL. I mean, Burks has that vertical dimension to his game, but it's just yeah. so untapped right now. It's so, you know, raw uh, that it may take the right landing spot for them to develop that. And, and kind of in the meantime, you can utilize him, you know, in the manufactured touch type type things as he starts to learn like some of the nuances and how to run routes and how to set guys up at the route stem and things like that, because, you know, right now he's just pretty raw, but I think like, I just believe in his physical talent. I believe in, um, you know, the more you hear about him, like the hog story, like the hunting hog oh, yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is the kind of guy I want on my team. He's just kind of seems like a badass. And I was like, this is so dumb, but like I was, somebody posted some videos of him doing like returning kicks as a freshman at Arkansas the other day. I'm like, how is this guy not going to be good in the NFL? Uh, yeah. Like he's just so dynamic. I know. Yeah, it's funny because you kind of like you laid out the process of Traylon Burks perfectly is that I think having him as like the no doubt wide receiver one in this class, like set it and forget it like he should be that guy, you know, which was kind of the way it was, or like you said, early in dynasty circles and stuff like that. Yeah, that yeah. seems crazy to me, considering mm -hmm. how raw he is as a route runner and how I mean, just the role he played in college, like it's it, it's weird, right? It's just a weird <laughs> role in general. It's not like. Unique. 
Yeah, it's unique. Yeah. That's a nice way to put it. Uh, so like he start, he can't really be that guy. But then you know, folks that want to swing him all the way back the other way and like you know say that he's he's not going to be an NFL success story. That seems crazy to me too. I mean, maybe he busts out. I think there's obviously some bust risk there, but there is right that right. can be that can be the case with with any receiver if they land in the in the wrong spot, as you mentioned. DK Metcalf's a great example. Uh, I keep comparing him to Juju Smith-Schuster, which people hate because they hate Juju now. Um, but like, <laughs> he was super right. productive in the right environment, in the right role. Right. You know, the Steelers. Right. I always maintain that the Steelers are not some. They don't have some like skeleton key to scouting wide receivers. I think they're just smart about where guys are successful within their roles and deploying them in that way. Because like, I think you yeah. could have looked at Juju, who you know is what, like five pounds lighter than Traylon Burks, but si- sort of similar size, you could look at Juju and be like, that's our future X receiver because he played outside in college and blah, 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 blah. Let's, let's stick him there. And I think he would have flopped in that role in the NFL. And I think Burks yeah. would be the same way. Um, we're going to do a little – we're going to do matchmaker with receiver later because I'm, I'm interested okay. to see where you would like to, to have him land, and we'll talk more about Burks. But I agree with you, man. I, I think he, there's – a role there for him to develop into beyond just uh, what he was doing in college, which again was unique as you put it. <laughs> Good euphemism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's talk beyond round one. Who's kind of your guy. That's not going to go in the first round, you know, and you can go as I'm letting you go as late as you want here. You could talk about, you know, freaking Mr. Un- Irrelevant or whatever, or you could talk about just like a second round guy. <laughs> I got two guys that come to mind. First off, I'm eliminating the guys that have been in the first round conversation, which is about eight players. So I'm digging a little deeper here. Um, Boise State's Khalil Shakur to me is very intriguing. I think he's he was a really fun guy to watch. And I've I've been saying this. He's like if there's a Amon Ross St. Brown style player in this draft, I think it's going to be Khalil Shakur because he's he's he could possibly go fourth round. But I think he is just a like baller. I don't I don't know have have another word to say it. Like basically, he's just a good football player. Like. He can line him up all over the field. He's good after the catch. He kind of turns into a running back after the catch. There's going to be enough reasons, I think, for the NFL to push him down a little bit. Like, he doesn't have long arms. Like, he has really short arms, which is going to be a concern to some teams. And he played at Boise State. So, you know, it's not necessarily top-tier competition. But, like, he's just been super productive, uh, really dynamic again, like I said, after the catch. And he has all these, like, highlight reel catches on tape. Of course, maybe some of them them are because he's, like, short-armed and he he turned what should have been maybe a routine catch into a hard one. But um, I think he is the type of guy that I just think is going to, you know, the other thing you hear about him is he's he's just, like, a stud off the field, like, really hard worker, dedicated to his craft. I know it's a cliche, but I always kind of gravitate to those guys because they're the type of guys that are going to improve in the NFL and really work hard and, like, do the do the dirty work to get better and work their way into the offense and so i could see shakir being the kind of guy who ends up being you know like a, a starting slot receiver in the nfl and, and being relatively productive based on where he was taken i'm so glad you brought up amon ross st brown um because i keep calling him bud like cooper cup uh i called him that before he got drafted by the lions which ironically you know there's a lot of rams <laughs> connection there um yeah. and i feel like the nfl is or maybe not the nfl but definitely quote the media or whatever has like kind of we keep looking at the wrong receiver to find the next version of it. everybody's like this next Debo Samuel next Debo Samuel sure. it's so stupid because in November it's like nobody can do what Debo is doing this is such a unique role and then here in freaking April everybody's the next Debo Samuel we're probably not going to find the next that guy <laughs> but you could potentially find somebody to play that Cooper Cup type role the Lions just right. did it last year I think uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's a really good example of how you can find like a Diet Coke light beer version of that guy 
now maybe maybe Shakir's the next version of that guy. I think that's a really good name to call out. I always think it's funny too because like you mentioned the hard work and everything like that. I'm not trying to call out uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's older brother Equinemius, but I remember when he came into the draft, like the first thing you heard about him was he's not going to stretch, he's not going to play special teams, all this like weird stuff. I heard but, the same thing about Amon Ra too. Like he's not doing the stretching and stuff. Isn't uh, that so weird? What is it like the the lion doesn't stretch or the cheetah doesn't stretch before he? hunts or something like that i don't know i don't know interesting um, interesting family i mean his dad was a freaking uh mr universe or whatever so maybe he's just like i'm not listening <laughs> like i've been around weightlifting and athleticism like athletics and all that stuff all of my life i don't need to do that like who knows like i, I don't need Dan i remember Campbell hearing that to stretch <laughs> it's so wild. i do remember hearing that about Amon ross and brown though in the pre-jack process like he kind of marches to the beat of his own drum but like obviously it, it this is the thing like during the draft process you have to decide how much to weigh some of the crap that you hear because a lot of it is like meant to like muddy the waters and, and some of it is, you know, teams wanting these guys to fall a little bit to them because they don't actually care about that stuff, you know. So it's it's one of those things that, that didn't turn out to matter at yeah, all. Exactly. It's it's a funny it's a funny thing with the with the NFL draft. All right. Any other uh your guys in the beyond round one range that you want to call out yeah. before we move to some other positions? The one other guy that I wanted to talk about, I think, is one of the more fascinating. He's in the same boat as like a Traylon Burks where I could see him fall a little bit more than, and he was, you know, early on in his career, he was like the no doubt next thing. And that's Justin Ross from Clemson. It's the guy that as a freshman, as a true freshman, he was amazing. He put up a thousand yards. He was like big plays at big play after big play in in the biggest stage in college football and all that. And then of course he is more, I would say his, his issues are more medical than anything yeah. else. Um, but I guess like the wide range of outcomes I could see here. Um, is why I'd, I would comp him to like a Burks because I could see him ending up being a six round pick and never playing really, or yeah. I could see him ending up being like a really good player in the NFL. So he is, you know, of course he had the spine issue that kept him out of the 2020 season, I believe. And then he came back in 2021 and had a foot, he had a stress fracture in his foot for almost the entire season. What I heard was he basically, you know, some people were like, you shouldn't play. And he was like, I'm playing. Yeah. He's like, shoot me up with Toradol. I'm playing through it. And, you know, obviously, in addition to that, the offense was completely like off the rails for Not most great. of the season in Clemson. And so, you know, the quarterback situation was bad. His production dropped precipitously. He didn't test well because he had what I heard not very much time to prepare because he was, he had surgery on his foot in November. So basically, like it was a, a whirlwind of like bad things for Justin Ross yeah. coming back off that that neck injury or the spinal injury. And now he's from what everything I've heard, like he could either go in the second round or go undrafted. Like it, it really just depends on like how teams look at those medicals. But like on on the field, his skill and like what he was doing as a true freshman, I think that's like how you have to judge him because he was like coming off that neck injury coming off foot injury you can't really you know say this is what he is forever based on the 2021 tape so i go i go back to the 2019 tape and he looked like a first rounder so i'm very fascinated to see how he ends up like where he ends up going in the draft if he goes high the team decides to take a risk on him or maybe he's just like too far gone at this point with injuries and, and teams are just not going to take that chance but i think he's the type of guy that could come in and, and play a role as an outside x type player he's really good uh, catch radius he's excellent hands he's pretty sudden as a route runner he's not fast but he, yeah. he he can like he's got some twitch to him so he to me is again one of the most fascinating players in this draft i'm really excited to see where he goes 
I'm pretty sure Dane Brugler from the athletic has him, you know, mocked like on day three, which, yeah. you know, makes me yeah, wonder why he's or wonder if he's going to go that low. And if it is like all medical stuff, because, yeah, I mean, the, the film in 2021 is it's like you, you look at this guy, maybe he needs to play like an Alan Lazard type role. And I, that seems so mean to say, because like Alan Lazard is not some <laughs> superstar or anything like that. But he plays a pretty similar role to like a, a Chris Godwin or, or like a Juju, you know, like that power slot type of role. I kind of feel like if he has been if Ross has been so physically compromised at this point, you know, that he's not going to be like a, a route in route out separator on the outside. Like that might be a good role for yeah, him because he is yeah. tough. He's physical. And like, I think he's got good hands and just overall, just yeah. a really solid player technically that I think he could be a good inside zone beater, uh, even if he has been, you know, really ripped up physically. But yeah, th- that's really just a totally unknowable thing for us uh, uh, on the outside. Right, and, and we'll, right. we'll, we'll have a better idea about Justin Ross in May than we do here in April. I just hopefully he ends up with the Jags. Jags day three pick. Yeah, throw him what, out there. Get him back with Lawrence. See what happens. Like after the success that Devonte Smith had with uh, with Jalen Hurts to a lesser degree, but then like Tua and Jalen Waddle and obviously Joe yes. Burrow and, and Jamar Chase. If I'm a team, you know, with with a with a Trevor Lawrence, like yeah, I'm gonna go out and, and find a way on if it's a reach in round <laughs> three. Take yeah. just although that's just like another guy that I want to play in the slot, and they have like thirty five guys that I think are best <laughs> in the slot. So right, maybe right. not the best example, but still, like I'd go out of my way to do that. I, I'm trying to think of like other examples in this draft class. Like, let me go find you know my college quarter. Like, if he's a young quarterback, go and pair him up uh, with with yes. a receiver or something like that. Doesn't always work out, but recent history at least has been um, kind of nice. You get an early start to that receiver's kind of communication with his quarterback at least. Maybe Christian Watson with Trey Lance. Yeah, that's a connection right there. That's not a bad. That's not a bad one. Yeah, they have. They could have like another receiver there. Uh, you know, we'll see about all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. Let's keep moving here and talk about some quarterbacks. I know, like I said, not sexy quarterback class, but um, I feel like my last two guests, Matt Waldman, JJ Zacharies, and it's like we kind of hit on quarterbacks at the end and didn't really kind of give these guys their due. So I'd like to actually kind of talk about sort of the top five prospects. And I'll list out, but this is not my ranking or anything, but this does seem like the consensus top five is Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, and Sam Howell. Do you agree that that is the top five? And uh, who's who's the best quarterback in this class? <laughs> the best. Uh, so I would say my two top guys are Willis and Ritter. I think Willis is again kind of keeping with this uh, theme. He's the most fascinating guy in this draft, probably. Just yeah, you know, he his tape is is frankly not very good. His an, the analytical profile <laughs> is tough, bad. That's a tough start to, to, I know. to yeah, like I know. the quarterback one. His tape's not good. His analytical profile is bad. Well, let me rephrase that. He has flashes. He has flashes of like what could be greatness yes. on his tape for the most part it is you know not what you'd consider the tape of like a first round draft pick in every other year i mean i think you know analytically speaking you know when you look at epa play like his accuracy the sack the amount of sacks he takes all that stuff put together like he is not a high level nfl quarterback prospect yeah but he is rare when it comes to his tools and of course we've seen what happened with josh allen and now teams are going to chase that um, Josh Allen was, by all accounts, considered a terrible prospect by basically everybody except for the Bills, I think, um, or maybe Shout just the NFL them. in general. And they did an amazing job of developing him and getting him ingrained in the offense and and helping him along the way by getting him better offensive line, you know, getting him a good defense, going training out for Stefan Diggs. Like, all this stuff kind of helped him along. They've basically been the 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 model for how to do that in, in the NFL. And, of course, you know, now teams are going to try and copy that. 
the difference with Willis and, and, and Allen is well, number one, Allen, I think had a little bit better numbers in college. And number two, he's six foot five versus yeah. six foot even for Willis. But I think in, in an offense, and this is what I vision envision for Willis. It's somewhat similar to what the Eagles have done with Jalen hurts is if you put him in an offense where the, he is the foundational part of a run game early on in his career, I think he can have that ability that he can earn him. He can buy himself some time basically to like evolve and develop as a passer and get better as a passer. He does some of the things like in the run in the run game, read option game where he could be the foundation like they, like the Eagles do with, with Hertz where you're basically saying we're going to be a really heavy run team, play run, uh, run play action. He's he got a cannon for an arm so he can throw off play action. He's really good throwing down the sideline. That's actually one of his strengths. And so it kind of all fits together. He's not going to be the kind of guy that's going to drop back and, and throw 30 times a game and, and pepper the middle of the field with like accurate targets and read the defense and things like that. That's just not who he is right now. Um, but you can design an offense that takes advantage of his rare traits, I think. And that would be what I would do with him in, in terms of, you know, I, I keep comparing it and this is, they're not the same prospect clearly, but like I compare what the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson early in his career, where the read option was the foundation of their offense for several years at Russell Wilson's, first couple seasons in the league paired him with Marshawn Lynch. They ran the, they ran the ball a ton. I think they led the league in rushing a couple seasons there. They had a really good defense and Russell Wilson, you know, generally speaking has been bad on third down his entire career, but they managed to make it work. Yeah. You know, because that, that dynamic Wilson got better as a passer as he, you know, developed in the league. And of course, Wilson was a way, way better passer coming out of college. So it's not a one-to-one comp, but like that, that's kind of like the vision I have for Willis coming into the league is, you know, a team that's willing to do that, surrounding with like a lot of good playmakers, kind of like what the 49ers have done, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's the same situation with Trey Lance. Like he's coming into a situation where he's really raw. Right. You know, he's sort of a huge question mark as a passer, but they have a, a offense that's designed to sort of take pressure off of the quarterback. And, and there's just they have this like infatuation with guys who can pick up yards as a catch. And I love that. Get that for Willis and, and see what we can do. I think he has the traits that worth are worth betting on at least for that style of offense. And I, then for Ritter, he's sort of the off the opposite. Go ahead. No, I really like the the Jalen Hurst comp that you have with Malik Willis. I think that's like a very fair level. Sometimes he, he struck me as like a poor man's Justin Fields, which I know just it's coming off a terrible rookie year, but like uh you know it's, <laughs> right. so it's like not that's not very exciting of a comp either. But you know, it takes too many sacks, makes some big mistakes, but has awesome flashes. Again, like a lesser yes. version of yes. what we saw out of Justin Fields in, in college. And you know, Josh Allen, like they they threw him out there, the Bills did, and they let him live through his mistakes. Although they did try to start Nathan Peterman. Let's never forget that they they tried <laughs> they tried to have that go go that way and uh, it did not. Uh but you know, they like gradually built the ecosystem as he figured out his kinks. Um for Willis, I feel like it would just be so much better if he got to sit behind like a Jared Goff type in Detroit. That would make a ton of sense yes. to me. Yes. That would make a lot of sense to put him in that situation. Of course, you know, Dan Campbell, I think, is very into the idea of running the ball and, and like beat like beating people with, you know, just physicality and toughness. And like I think Willis would work into that. You know, you brought up fields, and I think that's a great example of like exactly what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> for any team. Totally. Like Fields to me is in one of the worst situations outside of Jacksonville in yes. the NFL. Yeah, I know that Bears fans get super sensitive about this because, like, the draft hasn't even happened yet. You're judging the depth charts. Like, well, number one, you do not have a first round pick. So, like, let's not just pretend you're going to get like a ton of right. impact players here and make this roster awesome. But yes, it is. It it the Bears roster is is tough. 
to look at yeah. right now. So in addition to that, like the first thing that came to my mind is like the roster's terrible. The coaches, the coaching staff is now in flux because they had to fire everybody. And, yep. you know, it was a disaster last year. Also, it pissed me off the way that they used Justin Fields last year. It's yeah. like he has this trump card and they're refusing to let him run. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? They're or trying to turn him into like a like, drop back yeah. passer. Yes, they're trying to turn him into like freaking Andy Dalton. They're running the Andy Dalton offense with Justin Fields instead of just acknowledging what he's has these elite traits yeah. at and letting him kind of run around and do his thing. Exactly what I was saying with like Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson in the beginning of the, his rookie year, they tried to have him be like a drop back passer, like a precision passer. It just wasn't working. Then they played the bears. Ironically enough. I don't know if you remember this game, Russell Wilson essentially ended Brian Urlacher's career. My Seahawks like just... depth of knowledge is not quite as good as yours, but yeah, I do remember yes. what you're talking about. <laughs> so this is the, I, I just remember it was like a sea change game for the Seahawks. They yeah. finally were like, okay, we're going to unleash Russell Wilson in the read option game. And he like just took, Erlacher behind the, the woodshed and like just they like abused him in terms of like in the read option game and ran all over the field did all this stuff it opened everything up in their offense and all of a sudden everything was different they turned into this playoff team that could potentially go to the Super Bowl they ended up losing in um, the divisional round I believe but like it completely changed everything when they just sort of acknowledged this is what our quarterbacks top strengths are right now and we're going to work around that the, the Bears never did that to me. Like, they never allowed him to do that for whatever reason. They tried to turn this guy who's number one, I guess, issue and and flaw coming into the league was slow processing, right? And then they tried to turn him into a quick processing passer. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. This is exactly what team can't do with Willis to round it all around. They need to let him kind of go and, and do his thing and embrace the chaos, I guess, more or less. And then allow him to like that would buy him, I think, time to like you know turn into something more like an NFL quarterback than he is right now. So that's kind of my point. And, and yeah, the the field thing is, I think, is actually a pretty interesting comp. That's exactly what we don't want to happen with Willis. Correct. Yeah. So like teams with coaching stability, like Detroit, you know, those guys have long contracts. Like I mentioned, Pittsburgh. It's like the ba- the worst kept secret in the NFL draft process is that you know Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers, love Malik Willis. So. Now they got a guy they can competently start there in uh, in Trubisky for a while. Let Malik Willis kind of sit for a little bit, and I think like Trubisky will keep could potentially keep that offense afloat because it got decent players around him. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that makes sense too. Again, just a, a team that can buy some time and isn't gonna like all right Malik Willis is dealing with like keep him away from the damn Panthers right like a team that's gonna fire their coach at the end of the Please. year yeah yeah let's not let's Seriously. not have that happen let's not have that happen all right you want to talk about Desmond Ritter too who is your quarterback too yeah I think I think and he's kind of the opposite he is you know he has good traits certainly but like he he's not he I wouldn't say he's the kind of guy who is is flashy elite traits he's just sort of a jack-of-all-trades master of none type player where you know, he is a good processor. He goes and changes protections uh, before the play. He changes the play um, when he sees something that, like, could potentially be something to exploit. Like, cerebral, the 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 mental side of the game, I think that a lot of these other uh, quarterbacks in this class don't have. He has, like, that's like his trump card, I think. You know, he, as a passer, is a, I, I feel like a, just a tiny bit slow kind of processing. is a beat slow on everything. And I think that's going to be something I have to speed up in the NFL. I think that's probably possible, but it's it's going to be a process. And then, you know, there there has been talk. I think it's over his overall like accuracy kind of hot runs hot and cold. So I think there's certainly some issues with him. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of people don't have him as a first round pick. But I think he's just he is more, I think, polished than any of the other quarterbacks in this class, even Pickett. 
you know, just because he has the ability to kind of like do the mental side of the game. And, and that gives him a leg up, especially in year one where you're coming in and you're trying to literally learn like a new language. Right. Like that's kind of the best way I can think about it. It's like if you went to another country and just got dropped in and they're like, okay, now go run this company or something, you know, in a different language, you have to learn the language. Well, you have to learn how to do, you know, you have to, he already speaks the language. So that's like a massive, massive, uh, I think advantage for him. So coming in. And so that's, that's, kind of how i see ritter i think he's maybe of a he, he maybe doesn't have any of the like i said elite traits or, or exciting traits he's kind of just like a he's just like a hit it down the fairway type guy but i think he is going to be a starter in the league because of uh the mental side of everything yeah it's i loved your daniel jones comp in the ringer <laughs> draft guide um because yeah. a lot of people have comped him to marcus Mariota, um which i think probably from like a physical standpoint makes sense maybe like a tool standpoint makes sense but um you, you know that was the thing with daniel jones was he was kind of like ready to drop into a pro system and everything he just yeah has some accuracy issues he makes mistakes and i think that's probably gonna be sort of the way things go with ritter too it's like you know Daniel Jones just had the unfortunate problem of getting drafted like sixth overall by Dave Gettleman and the damn giants. Like, but if Desmond Ritter, you know, goes in the late first round or something like that, I keep thinking about the Titans, you know, who are dealing with kind of that. All right. We've got the albatross of Ryan Tannehill's contract, but he's not like an elite quarterback in the AFC. Like, do we take around one quarterback to kind of get just at least save some damn salary next year as we're trying to, you know, sign AJ Brown long term and stuff like that? I I don't know. That's an interesting one. You might not be like in four years. We might not look back and be like, you know, Desmond Ritter 2020, uh, you know, six is better than Ryan Tannehill 2022, but we're saving salary on it at least. Right, right, right. And you get other players in the in the deal, right? Like, yes. if other players uh, help. Yes. <laughs> Breaking news: other players help. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's move to uh, some wide receiver talk here. We, we talked a little bit about these guys, but wanted to do two things here before before we uh, close it out today. Number one, wanted to kind of uh, do some matchmaker stuff. We'll do that in a second with some of the teams with the biggest needs per me article i wrote on the website <laughs> nice. uh yeah per me i i'm the arbiter of these things i guess mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. And, but uh more importantly kind of to help understand you you said this is a good wide receiver class i think we're going to basically be you know in this era of football with seven on seven being as, as popular as it is you know these guys know how to run routes for years and years and years they're not like damn Corey coleman and like josh Doxon coming in from the big 12 not having <laughs> any idea how to play pro football you know these guys are, are going to be able to hit the ground running we might be in an era where we're just like consistently talking about how great the receiver class is um yeah. but to kind of contextualize that help listeners contextualize it let's sort of think about this in relation to last year's class i think you and i probably both agree that last year's class was stronger at the top but how many guys would you have from the 2021 class ahead of your wide receiver one in this class and this is without the benefit of of hindsight because of course now like i think elijah moore you know you might be able to put him above all these guys too but like i would say last year for for sure i would have had probably jamar chase uh smith and jalen waddle ahead of everybody here and I was pretty high on Rashad Bateman as well. Same. But I would probably put, I think I would still put the top four guys. And my top four guys might be different than your top four guys, by the way. Uh, I have Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, and Drake London as like my top tier. I know that a lot of people really like Chris Olave too. Yeah, so I'd Chris you know, Olave, throw him yeah. in that group. So the top five, say, I think would follow pretty immediately follow like the the top three from last year. 
And then from there, it's kind of like mix and match. You know, you got George Pickens, I think you could throw in there. But I probably would have picked, I probably would have had Bateman above him, you know, in an yeah. overall rankings type deal. Elijah Moore, I think I would probably have over Jahan Dotson. So, you know, maybe it's Same. like mix and match here. Um, that's kind of how I would approach it. But yeah, it would be last year's top three and then pretty much the five, the the tier one, five guys, the five tier one guys or whatever from this class, however you want to order them, I think probably be sort of the next tier down. Yeah, I think we're kind of in lockstep there where I would have Chase Smith and uh, Waddle in that last year would have been in that order uh, as mm-hmm. well. Like those three guys just, I think are in their own tier above any other prospect from that year and any other prospect from this year. But yeah, then it yeah. starts to kind of like, I think that, you know, London and Olave are probably my top two guys. And then it's like Wilson yeah. and Williams and then Burks for me as like the top five guys. I think I like, Bateman and I was like I was at a round one Elijah Moore guy he didn't go there but I think he could have mm. he should have gone in round like late round one like damn it Green Bay you should have just taken him in the late first round last year uh but <laughs> seriously nevertheless nevertheless we live in this reality like I think he could have been a round one receiver so he would have kind of mixed yes. in with Burks and uh you know and I think Bateman too like Garrett Wilson and Rashad Bateman sort of would be close, like from a from like mm. a, a rankings perspective to me. So I think we're kind of like okay. we're kind of yeah, molding yeah. those th- that era of guys together. And then I think after Bateman and Elijah Moore for me would come the you know George Pickens, the uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, like and I love like those those two guys are good players, man. Like they're gonna be yes. they're gonna be real fun. And then I don't know I don't know what to do with Carries Tony. I didn't know what the hell to do with him last year. And I same. I feel even less. <laughs> I feel like less confident about him now than i did like a year ago so i don't know what the hell to do with him and i've gone group. full circle i i the first time i watched him i loved him and then as the process went along i started to kind of sour on him uh, on Kadarius tony a little bit just because i think it's actually some of the similar stuff you're talking about with burks is he just so 100%. chaotic just chaotic on the field like he was constantly stumbling around which is something i've heard people are concerned about with burks like he sometimes stumbles his body control maybe coming into question but like at the end of the day He's just like Tony I'm talking about now. Yes. Like, he's, like when he when he was playing, he's just so sudden. He looks like a different speed out there than everyone yep. else. I think he's the type of guy who, again, he needs to like refine his route running. He's probably going to have to get more disciplined and nuanced as a route runner. Uh, but, at, you know, at the end of the day, like he's the kind of guy I want to give the ball to, yeah. you know, and I think he's going to get the ball. He's going to command the ball. Um, so in fantasy, that certainly matters. And, I, and that's kind of the same. I think that's why I see Burks in the, in the same sort of, you know, area i guess area code or whatever just because i think the physical talent is there it's just you know what are you gonna do with it i'm so glad that you brought those those two guys up together because i felt like a crazy person that i feel like the only person at least to me that i've heard you know maybe other people are saying this I, i don't know but i feel like they're just so easy to compare to each other. Their analytical profiles are totally different from each other, which is why, <laughs> right, like in dynasty right. circles, they don't get comp. But I, I said that you know, Kadarius Tony's NFL team would be starting from square one with him as a route runner. Burks is not that unrefined. I mean, he's very unrefined, but he's not as far off as Tony was to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But again, if similar with Tony last year, I was like, it's really going to depend where he lands. And then he goes and la- not to bag on the Giants again, but he goes and lands with damn Jason <laughs> Garrett, you know, as the offensive coordinator yes. of New York Giants. I'm like, well, forget it. That's not going to work at least in year one until those guys all get fired. Let's just not get Traylon Burks matched up with like whoever Jason oh, yeah. Garrett is this year. Uh, Seriously, Jason Seriously. Garrett's busy with the USFL, but uh, so we will at least avoid that. All right, let's do some um, matchmaker here. These are the teams I think have the biggest need at wide receiver. 
Arizona, when I wrote, th- let's take Arizona off the list because when I wrote this, they hadn't re-signed AJ Green, and not, you know, I mean, not that AJ Green's like okay. the biggest difference maker in the world, but let's forget about them for a second. He hedges for them, yeah, yeah, he hedges for them. So I'm, I'm just going to remove him from the list. Let's start. These teams have the biggest need at wide receiver: Atlanta Falcons, Chicago yes. Bears, Green Bay Packers. Houston, Texans need damn near everything, including a wide receiver. The Indianapolis Colts, the Kansas City Chiefs, New Orleans Saints, and Philadelphia Eagles. That's a decent amount of teams there. Um, let's start with the Falcons. Who's like the, you know, I don't know that they're going to go receiver at eight, but who's a receiver that would really help them uh, upgrade from Olamide Zacchaeus and Auden Tate? I know. Like, that was, <laughs> you asked me, it's literally anybody. Anybody, anybody yeah. in the top eight in this receiver class. Like, I think it's either, I think it's going to be one of Williams, Jameson Williams, uh, Drake London, or Garrett Wilson. Um, and yeah. I think there's a solid chance they take a guy there at eight. But they, they look like a team potentially that could try and trade back just because yeah. they have so many other needs. They're not a team that looks like they're going to try. Well, they will try, but they're not a team that's going to be able to compete probably in 2022. So they have, a, like, a long view on you know, this draft and, and get the most out of the draft, lay the foundation for the future, that kind of thing. I just love the idea of any of these guys, frankly, pairing up with with Kyle Pitts long term. This is giving them an opportunity to, you know, get get a landing or make the landing spot softer for whatever quarterback ends up there, whether that's this year, the next year, or the year after. Like start building that foundation on offense so the quarterback can just drop in and like sort of go to work. And and we've seen so many teams do that over the past few years. Like it just makes sense. So I could definitely see them taking a first round receiver. Maybe they trade back and then do it. But even sitting there at eight, you know, London, Garrett Wilson, or Jamison Williams seems like a seems like the lock there. Yeah, I can't really go wrong if you're the Falcons. You're that bad. Uh, speaking of that bad, the Bears they do not have a, a round one pick. So let's think if they if they do want to be nice to Justin Fields here, they do have a couple Seriously. second rounders. Uh, who can they take in round two at the wide receiver position that might help them? So, like, if Pickens is there, that would make a lot of sense for them, I think. Just get them an outside guy, big, you know, big pass catcher, red zone threat type guy. He's good deep. I think all that makes sense for them. Getting a guy like Sky Moore, I don't know. Maybe it's, like, a little bit redundant in, with what they have with Darnell Mooney. But, like, just getting more playmakers, I think, is important. Um, guy like Jahan Dotson might still be there. Um, Again, literally, it seems like literally anybody uh, would be Jalen Tolbert, maybe, or yeah. Christian Watson is another guy that would fit. I think with Justin uh, Justin Fields' skill set because Watson can go deep. You know that might make a lot of sense for them. So I, I honestly like I like a lot of the the options here. I think as long as they come out around two with a receiver, uh, then I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, they they better. Alec Pierce is another guy that I think would be a good oh, yeah, fit yeah. with them because he's yes. a good vertical receiver, good in contested spaces, pretty good hands overall. You know, in a weird way, DK, uh, I think he reminds me of DK. I think you were kind of yeah, like yeah. not okay. He doesn't I not D, uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, he doesn't remind me of DK Metcalf like as a player, but the bad takes about DK Metcalf as a prospect sort of remind me of Alec Pierce, right? Like he is stiff not not great like changing directions uh but can rip it deep and can win yes. on slants cool so that sounds like what pe- goofballs thought dk metcalf was going to be like that's who <laughs> alec pierce is basically um yeah all right green bay packers again i mean they need a lot of help i keep coming back to the packers would be a fun landing spot for burks and, i agree and, like for all the reasons that we've talked about you know they're a team that loves to do the screen game they play a lot of rpo stuff on offense they do and you know aaron Rodgers is famous for this like going up to the line of scrimmage he sees the corners off you know coverage and he just throws a smoke route and let lets his receiver like get five yards 10 yards whatever 
I think that's the type of system and the type of scheme that would that would allow Burks to develop and and you know learn the nuances of the position while still getting him involved and, and getting his confidence up, all that stuff. Because I think that, you know, just that offense fits kind of like what Burks wants to do, which is a lot of manufactured touches and then a, a deep ball here and there, I think. And he can do that. So, and getting, getting him with a good quarterback, of course, would be really nice. <laughs> and kind of like yeah. give us a real look at like how good of a player he is, I think. So he'd be, I think, a great fit for them. And then of course, like, I think Olave makes a lot of sense too for them just because he's nuanced route runner he's technically sound he has that speed to go deep and, and Rodgers is an excellent deep thrower and, and will you know attack downfield you know and, and I think that fits Olave's skill set you know I, th- I don't know like Olave's not a physical player and yeah. he's more of like a finesse player I don't know for sure if that's like the kind of guy that they want because they typically seem to like guys that are like they have really strict thresholds uh do do the green bay packers like so that is kind of although you, like everybody on their roster right now is basically like a slot receiver lazard is like a big right. slot randall cobb is an old slot and amari rogers might be a bad slot <laughs> right. you know so right, right i mean burks i agree though i think like there's definitely some moments where aaron Rodgers is going to hate him but you got to like live sure. you're just going to live with that right at this point and i they're not going to replace yeah. Devonte adams with one of these round one picks but I would love it if they went Burks in round one and then try to get like a, you know, uh, maybe a George Pickens type or something like then go get like a real X receiver. Then you're starting to kind of yeah. cook a little bit. Yeah. Jalen Tolbert, maybe. Yeah. Make a lot of sense. Great, for call. That. great call. Yeah. Burks, you round one, Jalen Tolbert round two. We fixed the Packers. We just fixed the Packers. Look at that. Well, um, they don't need to be fixed necessarily, but you know what I mean? Well, we fixed the one thing that, that they broke. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it was the receiver right. room. Um, Texans. I, I don't know that they need, they're another team that needs anybody. Let's just, let's, just, I'm sorry, yeah, Texas fans, yeah. we're going to skip you. Um, they're, I don't know. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the Colts though. Cause they're interesting. Cause they, again, don't yeah. have a round one pick. I think they have like an emerging young number one receiver in Michael Pittman. I think Michael Pittman mm-hmm. is really, mm-hmm. really underrated, but they got nothing going on uh, beyond him. There's a million different guys that fit in here. I would, I think it'd be fun to see Again, going back to Sky Moore, like he'd be the type of guy yeah. that could line up sort of as like a Z type player. Um, what they wanted Paris Campbell to be potentially, you know, a guy yes. that can line up inside, outside, short, intermediate area, and also kind of threaten deep every once in a while. But like they've got, they have an X already. Um, so they can have basically drop in a number two receiver in this offense. And I think he'd be very productive, you know, especially with Matt Ryan, who's a veteran uh, quarterback. He's going to hit guys in stride, all that stuff. Maybe that, maybe a guy like, uh, like more sky more or you know again going back to like khalil shakir maybe he's in the third or fourth round could come in and be a a some sort of proxy of like calvin ridley style player where you know just a good route runner gets open gets the ball like early in his routes things like that oh 42nd overall sky more please colts that would be awesome that would be fun the actual good version of paris campbell is, is you know what i would say like uh, would say for the Indianapolis Colts there with Sky Moore, that would be awesome. Perfect fit there. Like Shakir is kind of a guy that can come back to in the third round if they miss out there. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, you have Chris Olave going there in his round in your round one mock. I think the most recent one. Um, I mean, inject that right into my veins. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. I think like for them, the dream would of course be Jameson Williams because he's such an yeah. elite lid lifter type guy. The, I guess, closest version, he's not really the same type of receiver as Tyreek Hill, but um, in terms of like we were talking about earlier with the trump card speed, um, he's probably the closest guy to uh, to uh, to Tyreek Hill. But I think Olave is, is a great option too. Like Olave is 
got tons of speed. He's yeah, really he good get deep open threat. Field too. Yeah. yeah. Like he is not a slouch by any means, especially in, in the areas that Jameson Williams wins. So I love that fit for them. And he's, again, he's the type of guy that can come in and like immediately produce for them. He's not going to like have a, a really long runway to like try and figure everything out. Like he's kind of a pro already. And then like later in the draft, maybe like a guy like Tyquan Thornton from Baylor, who's got that blistering speed can be the kind of guy that takes the lid off the, the, the defense. And then the other kind of guys I've seen connected to the chiefs, maybe this is just because of the Tyree Hill thing, but like Wandell Robinson from Kentucky, right. Calvin Austin from Memphis, really undersized guys that are just uh, speedsters that can do um, a little bit of everything in the short and intermediate area, sort of like a Rondale Moore version yeah. um, for the chiefs. I think that would make a lot of sense too, because you know, they're still going to have to deal with the fact that everybody's trying to like force them to dump things off over the middle um, I think they need some posi- like quote unquote possession guys or, you know, manufactured touch guys to like kind of just get the hard yards in the short and intermediate area too. Austin, Danny I think Gray, can, Danny Gray oh yeah, Danny, from SMU. Yep. Danny Gray is a good, up. good suggestion. I think Danny Gray and Austin are two guys that can like actually play wide receiver and they like kind of yeah. need to, to focus on that after the McCole Hardman thing. Like, you know, and, for sure. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah. I mean, uh, Chris Olave too, like again, just such a detailed, awesome route runner that like they kind of need that too. Cause they've got MVS and Juju, like two guys that are not going to be getting <laughs> open a ton on the outside. Yeah. Like, so yeah. anybody yeah. that can get separation as an outside receiver, I think is really going to help them even if it's not the fastest guy in the world like even a george pickens type i think you know wouldn't be too bad uh for them even though it's not necessarily what we think of right away all right let's uh finish up here with these last two teams the new orleans saints you know they've got michael thomas sort of maybe i I don't know probably probably seems like it seems like it seems like they've got (laughs) michael thomas in the fold um but beyond that again barren depth chart really not a lot going on there what who can we give the saints to help them out uh that's a good question i mean i think olave is another guy that i could really see them gravitating to um he would make a ton of sense for them i'm trying to think like what they really need because with, with Jameis winston you know i think that is kind they're of a such question a weird mark. team like, right he, now they're such a weird team i could just see them not going receiver honestly but i know that yeah. they've been heavily connected to receivers and of course they have the ohio state connection w- with michael thomas so olave i think is the main guy that i kind of see them if garrett wilson falls to that spot i could see him go there too yeah i think wilson's an interesting one i i wouldn't be totally surprised if if he takes a little little bit of a tumble not like anything crazy or anything like that but yeah they've got two first round picks so you know and, and we've we've heard that they're gonna stick and pick oh, yeah. things, right um right so so we'll see but yeah i think olave would be awesome you know, John Dotson, not really in this range, but I think he would be just like a good immediate starter, stuff like that. If they wanted to hedge their bets against Michael Thomas, you know, Justin Ross kind of short and intermediate there, you know, bigger slot player, yeah, maybe yeah. even though Michael Thomas mostly plays the X position. Like, so we'll, I don't know this and Sky Moore too is another one that if they wanted to reach in round one, I, I wouldn't hate it. If wouldn't they be went. surprised. All right. Yeah, um, that wouldn't be surprised. Finish up here with, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to suggest Drake London here for them. Because, yes. Yes. And here's the funny thing about the Eagles, man. They took JJ Arcega Whiteside in 2019 <laughs> in round two. They took freaking Jalen Rager in the first round in, of 2020. They finally got it right. I think they got yeah. it right with Devontae Smith last year, but they might take another round one receiver. Like, so they very much yep, could yep. be a, a Drake London team. I think it makes a ton of sense for them to do it too, because, it, you know, just let's not look back on some of the misses. Like, this is where they are. They need number one to give some help to Jalen Hurts in the offense. It would definitely help to have a guy like Drake London, who is a big target, go up and get it type guy. 
you know, as much as I love Dante Smith, like he's not necessarily a 50, 50 catch yeah. winner at the same level. At least it's just, he just doesn't have the body style to do that. Like consistently he's great at everything else. I mean, I think he's actually pretty good at that too, but like mm-hmm, that's too. not his game. And so London would be awesome for them and, and give them something that they don't really have right now. And they, they have been looking for. And in addition to the fact that he's helping Jalen hurts in year one, if hurts doesn't work out, if the hurts experiment ends after this year, like I was saying earlier with, uh, you know, the, the Falcons, like then they have this really nice landing spot for whoever it is they, they find in the draft next year. Maybe they trade for a guy or whatever. You've got Devontae Smith, you've got Drake London, like you have this playmaker core that is kind of ready made and, and already has experience together and is already in the offense. And uh, you're not trying to build it on the fly. Like, I think that all matters. So like, it makes tons of sense for them to go receiver at that spot. I don't know if they'll do it, but I think it makes a lot of sense. I could talk myself into it for sure. Yeah, becoming a destination for quarterbacks, whether it's in the draft, but especially if you're trying to court like a veteran free agent, if you know the Kyler Murray situation breaks down this time of year from now, like they're they want to be a team that that they, they could go get one of those guys. So it makes sense. And yeah, I agree. Drake yeah. London's like he's not JJ Arcega Whiteside, he's not like a big outside receiver that can't get separation. Like he can get open, but he could become like a fluid big slot receiver, which again, like they don't have to yeah. worry like Devontae Smith's not a slot. Like he's an out guy who can win on the outside and get open against press, like despite the size. I think it just yep. makes so much sense there from like a versatility type of standpoint to go with uh, Drake London guy. All right. That's going to do it for us this episode. Uh, Danny Kelly, you said it all. Uh, you're a hell of a busy man. We appreciate <laughs> your time. Uh, but tell the people where uh, they can find some of your work right now. Some of the stuff. Uh, remind them if they skip the intro part where yes. all your great stuff is. Uh, you can find my work, the, including the 2022 NFL Draft Guide at TheRinger.com. That's NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. You can find my work at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. And the NFL Draft Show, the Ringer NFL Draft Show is the podcast we're doing twice a week. And I think we're ramping it up to like many times a week during the draft week. So uh, check that out. And during the offseason, during the regular season, uh, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show is the podcast there. So yeah. Love it. Busy man a guy like like after my own heart just ruining his life multiple times (laughs) with the calendar love to see that all right you can follow me on twitter at matt Harmon underscore byb again you can follow danny at danny b kelly and while you're there of course make sure you're following at yahoo fantasy liz and eric edholm will be back with rookie snapshots for some of their favorite quarterback prospects on thursday's episode until then we're out One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.